Welcome to the 11th Hour, the Engage Work Faith podcast, which seeks to answer the question, what is the Christian perspective on work and how does it intersect with faith? We do this by sharing conversations with workers from South Australia on a whole range of topics that are central to the sphere of work. You're with Darren from Engage Work Faith and you're with Cheryl from Engage Work Faith and you're on the 11th Hour podcast. You might be asking, what is the 11th Hour podcast? And that's a very good question to ask because on this episode, we want to share a little bit about why we would do a podcast. What, what is its purpose and why have we called it the 11th Hour? So I'm very glad, Cheryl, that you're here with us today. Thanks very much for having me. So the reason we want to do a podcast is because we want to connect people in our network. So part of our goal is to have conversations with people that are easy to listen to, conversations that introduce us to people we might not ever meet otherwise in the network. And secondly, it's to challenge our thinking on the topic of work with the Christian perspective. I feel like it's your turn for a question, Cheryl. Uh, Maybe not a question, but I do have a a comment because I I find that sometimes our Christian faith may not connect as easily into our day-to-day work. And so I'm excited about this podcast and what is going to come out of it from the the different perspectives that we'll glean from people in the network who are trying to live their faith at work and doing it quite well uh, in some aspects. And so I myself cannot come up with all of the answers and I'm excited to hear what people might bring to the table. Yeah, I think that's a really good point of focus. We've got to answer the question why we've called it the 11th hour. I think because you're running out of time. Well, that's, yeah, that's actually a, a pop culture reference. It's very popular to use the term the 11th hour. Mm. And you're right. The understanding is that time's running out. Best wrap it up then. <laughs> <laughs> I should give you a few examples of where we find it in pop culture. Do you, do you know any examples off the top of your head in pop culture? No idea, but I have to say it always makes me think of the white rabbit in Alice in Wonderland who says, I'm late. I'm late. Like it just has that urgency feeling of, oh my goodness, I best, I best get moving because I'm running late. That's very much how it's used in pop culture. But also there's the idea that something, that something crazy is about to happen or something dramatic is about to happen. Mm. And let me give you a couple of examples of that. There's an American medical drama about psychiatry and it's from the 1960s. And the term 11th hour in this series, it refers to a time of last resort in a person's life when they're aggrieved. Oh, that's like rock bottom kind of last yeah. resort. So it's, it's a real dramatic 11th hour moment. And mm. in this series, it's because um, the main character is facing a potential nervous breakdown. Yeah, interesting. So there's one. Well, let's hope that none of these podcasts bring along nervous <laughs> breakdowns. <laughs> So the second one I'll give you is also fairly dated. It's from 1942, but it is a reference that I think you will like. It is about the character Superman. Brilliant. So there is an animated series um, of short films, and in this particular episode, it's only eight minutes long, you can find it on YouTube. I watched some of it. And at certain moments in the storyline, the clock chimes 11 times to signal the dramatic 11th hour. And that's when key pivotal moments of the story happen. There's a dramatic opening scene where part of a dock falls down and a ship falls into the water and is overturned. And we're introduced Mm. to the story in this dramatic fashion. 
But I must say, it's quite different to the potential original source of the 11th hour. Tell us. Tell us what that okay, is, Okay, well, the most likely original source is actually a parable. Mm. What is your favourite parable? Or what is a parable? We might have people listening and what's a parable? That is true. Well, parable, uh, the only kind that I am aware of, are the kind of stories that Jesus told while he was on earth. So it's almost like a... Uh, a metaphor or an example story to try and draw out the point that he's trying to make to the people that he's teaching. And so a favorite one would be hard to say. I particularly like one that we're not talking about today. <laughs> no, but just share. Um, well, I like the one about when there is a man who has a lot of property and his he has an incredible harvest. So he's a farmer, has an incredible harvest so he says, ooh, look at this. I'm set up basically for life. I'm going to tear down all my barns and build bigger barns. Unfortunately, God then says to him, you fool. Tonight, your soul is demanded of you. And it's just a reminder of, I guess, the urgency of life and just the focus on what to do with the hours that we have on this earth. I didn't think of that one because oh. it's actually related to work as well. I thought I need to have a, a parable as inspiration for the title that would be relating to work. And that's actually another one. I don't know what the title would be based on that. No, um, because that's quite a, a heavy one. It is. That's very full on. What's your favorite? I think my favorite one is probably about the opposite of work. It's about oh. the father with two sons. Mm. And he's quite a wealthy father. He's been working hard his whole life, it seems. But one son is a bit of an upstart and he wants all his inheritance up front. He's not going to wait till dad dies. And so he asks for all the money so he can quit working and go and spend it all on frivolous pursuits. So work does come into it. He it doesn't does. want to work. <laughs> because we find out that the second son actually sticks around and works and has a very bad attitude throughout because he feels hard done by because of this son that's run off. And in the end, the beauty of the story is that the father um, is wanting the son to return home. And the sun mm. comes to his senses. And it's just a beautiful picture of God seeking us out um, with open arms and wanting us to return to him. Probably my all-time favorite one. But it's not actually the one we're talking about today. So the one we're talking about today is from the Gospel of Matthew. And we'll find it in chapter 20. And it's actually a story about work. But the work scenario for them with the vineyard and the workers is something they'd all relate to. And it's interesting to see this story that Jesus captivates people with is related to work, related to pay around work. So it's actually the story of what one person called the eccentric employer because it's got some very strange practices in there. The setup for the story is that there is this harvest ongoing of grapes and the owner of the vineyard goes out into the marketplace, which seems to be a common practice. So they go out into the marketplace and find people waiting on the street corner and call them into work and say, well, will you do the day's labour hmm. for the pay that I offer? And they would agree and go and work. But what's fascinating in this story, the person in charge here, the master of the vineyard, actually goes out multiple times. I'm not sure what to make of that. Does that mean, do you think that might mean they're just bad at estimating the amount of labour required to to take a crop off? I don't know. That is a good question because it does seem weird. Like in our mind as Westerners, that is what you would do. You plan your, um, your work. I mean, Jesus even told a parable about that, about not starting a building project until you know what it's going to cost and how long it's going to take and all that kind of stuff. So 
it is an interesting thought that he's gone back. And I've often thought that it's just because he's gone back and he's seen these people standing there wanting to work, but don't have a job. Like nobody's hired them for the day. So he's like, oh, well then, okay, maybe, maybe you should come and work too. As a bit of a, almost like a community service. I think you're hitting the nail on the head there because we're going to find out as a mini spoiler alert that the master, the owner of the vineyard is actually very generous. And so you might be on to more of a theme there. It might be less about his random ability to plan ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what we find out is early in the story, we're told this is an illustration of the kingdom of heaven. Mm. If we don't know what the kingdom of heaven means, it's the term that's used over and over again, especially in the gospel of Matthew. And it's talking about what it means to be under a world that is ruled by Jesus and what it means to be receiving benefits that are given only through Jesus. And it's this idea that in the other Gospels is called the kingdom of God. So Jesus is saying, what does it mean to be in a place where we see Jesus as the rightful um, authority in life? Sort of throwing back to that first state in the Garden of Eden with the first man, the first woman. They were in their right place working as they should under the rule and authority of God. And they were in a place of great blessing. They were in a place where they were receiving the bounty and the fruits of their labour and they were called into work alongside God to um, continue what he'd started. And I think that's really an important thing to recognise because, because this podcast, I mean, that's what we're talking about is what does it mean for the kingdom of God to be at work with us every single day? How does that integrate? Um, and so actually understanding what that means is very helpful. It's not some vague thing. It's actually just living under the rule of Jesus. And it's worth exploring, and it's something that's been explored for a long time because even in the context where Jesus speaks, people were a bit mystified about what this kingdom of God might be. It was something that they'd been anticipating for a long time through the Hebrew Mm. Bible, and then Jesus appears on the scene and claims to know what it means and claims to explain it. And so a lot of people are a bit shocked, um, especially when they see the context of the story because it turns things upside down on their head. So Jesus says, this is the story. It explains the kingdom of heaven. And it's like this master of the house. And he goes out at the crack of dawn and he finds his first batch of work, workers and he agrees on a day's wage for them to come. But we, what we find, as we've already touched on, is that they then this same um, master of the house goes out at the third hour, it says, and brings more workers back. What's the third hour? Well, this is where it gets interesting because it's quite different to what the pop culture reference is about. In the Superman story, the 11th hour is 11 o'clock. Like Um, p.m. Yeah, 11 p.m. Whereas this is an old timekeeping measure. In this scenario, time was measured for the duration of daylight. and Mm. It was a 12-hour period. So it roughly starts at 6 a.m. And by the time you get to the third hour, you're about 9 o'clock in the morning. So the 6 a.m. people were working very early. It was very early. You've got to make use of that daylight. Yeah. The next batch is at the sixth hour. So they're starting at the lunch break. I'm not sure what hour you would have been on the street corner for work, Cheryl. What's your... (laughs) Uh, Well, look, you know, it's always nice to have a bit of a coffee and a cruisy morning. (laughs) Probably, though, lunch hour is a bit later of the day to start working. It would feel a bit late, but there are times when you're tempted. Oh, absolutely. But it happens yet again. And the final time is the 11th hour. Um, So the start of the 11th hour is probably around 4 p.m. That Um, is an incredibly interesting time to start the working day. (laughs) Yes. 
But what's interesting is the the owner also says, why are you standing here idle? When it comes to these people at 4 p.m., they're probably mm. thinking, well, there's no work for today. I guess we linger for a bit and then go home and face up to our family that we didn't earn any cash today. It is interesting, though, that they were persistent and stayed until 4 p.m. And it does beg the question, were they overlooked the first time round? Yeah. And then, so um, it doesn't tell us that bit. No. But there they are. They're at 4 p.m. And he says, why are, you, why are you idle all day? And he says to them, well, you go into the vineyard as well. And so that's sort of scene one. And then scene two is all the workers are called together for pay at the end of the day. The labourers are paid their wages. Which ones do you think would be paid first? Well, logically, in my mind, you'd start with the people who started first. He actually tells us that the foreman starts paying those that started last. And this is where things get controversial because the wages that are paid out are a full day's wage for those starting at 4pm. That's pretty incredible. Could you imagine getting a full day's wage for one, maybe two hours of work? Yes, I think all the 6am workers would have thought, I should have started at (laughs) 4pm. And this actually starts them grumbling. That mob only worked one hour and you've made them equal. And we've actually worked through the heat of the day, we've sweated and toiled. The master replies and says, I'm doing no wrong. You agreed for the work, you agreed for the wages. So take what belongs and go. And he essentially says, isn't it my right to be generous? I've Mm. given what you are owed, but I can be generous. The punchline of the story here by Jesus. And he says, and so the last will be first and the first will be last. And so here we have a very strange story that sort of puts the idea of wages and earnings and value on its head. Yeah, which is really quite bizarre because as you say it, like as you're telling the story, I could see, yeah, of course, if they're getting paid as much and they've hardly done any work, well, yeah, that's justice. Why? Why are they getting so much? But actually, it's quite the opposite. The focus isn't on justice. It's the fact that, well, they did get what was just, but the owner was very generous. That's right. And he says, it's my prerogative. Don't begrudge it. Don't be jealous. Um, So it's a story of of what the Bible calls grace, which is sort of that undeserved kindness, Mm. that above and beyond goodness that God extends to us. And that is what the kingdom of God is like, living under the rule of Jesus, is to receive benefits, to receive goodness from God that we don't deserve. Which is a really helpful unpacking of what the 11th hour is all about, because this whole podcast then is about that concept of the kingdom of God being put on its head and being as people if we choose to follow Jesus then also living that way with those values you don't want to take the application well I should start work at 4 p.m and expect good things (laughs) that that would be a very wrong outcome from the story so there does need to be some thought about how does it impact different areas of our lives what does it mean to bring these values in at work which is exactly what Engage Work Faith is all about. We want to look at that intersect of how how does this living in God's kingdom intersect with the way that we work every single day. And as we were preparing, you had a great example where you pointed out, this is actually played out in the life of an Old Testament character called Boaz. Um, yeah. Tell me a bit about that. Well, I have to say, I didn't, I didn't actually recognize this by myself. I was at a conference, a Transforming Vocation conference, Uh, And Mark Green was speaking on the book of Ruth and um, brought to our attention that the majority of this whole story takes place at work. 
And Boaz is one of the main characters, even though the book is called Ruth. And it's interesting to watch the way that he conducts himself at work, the way he shapes work culture. Um, He actually puts, as you read through the story, he puts his own prophets to peril for the good of this widow who is trying to support her mother-in-law, who is also a widow. And was it upside down for the time too? It was. God had told them that they should look out for the people who are on the fringes, who might not be able to care for themselves. Uh, And so that may look different in our current context. Um, But Boaz seems to go, like you were saying, he goes a bit above and beyond that, doesn't he? Well above and beyond, because the amount of profit that he surrenders for um, Ruth's benefit is incredible. And he not only does he not only does he allow her to glean, he also tells his workers to give her extra, to not be so particular in what they pick up so that she can collect more. And then he invites her to come to have lunch with all the workers. So this is someone who's not working for him. She's basically a person who can't get work, who needs to feed her family. Um, And he invites her to come have lunch and then sends her home with extra food. So it's kind of like a CEO saying to the person out on the street, why don't you come in and have lunch with all of us? I've put on lunch for my team. Um, Come and join us, which is quite a transformational thought when you think about it. Um, And you sort of see echoes to Jesus like looking forward, don't you? Because Jesus often eats with what everyone thinks is the wrong people. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, I mean, Boaz was living before Jesus' time, but it is a good reflection of exactly what Jesus was talking about in that, in that parable of the workers, because he is very generous. Has there ever been a time for you where you've noticed someone live out the topsy-turvy values of God's kingdom in a practical way in the workplace? Well, I was recently talking to someone who had a pretty high-powered job very good at that job, actually, um, but decided to be done with it and started her own business as a service to people. So she is invited into people's homes as a service um, and has intentionally decided to have to put buffers on the edge of the time that she's supposed to be working as a care and investment in the people that she's working for. Um, which well, it, that's a couple of um, topsy-turvy things already, isn't it? <laughs> For one, you quit a what sounds like a promising career, a, a flourishing career. Mm. And then the second thing is you – well, it's actually three things. So the second thing is you do something with the intent of serving others. And then thirdly, adding extra time, which essentially is unpaid, so mm. that you can build friendship and do life with people and speak into their lives. Yeah, which is quite an amazing – an amazing thing to do and it it was intentional it wasn't just a oh I'm done with this I'm going to start something new it was a okay what can I do to serve my community so we've seen a few things so far we've seen why we'd need a podcast because we can get perspective from other people learn from them we can challenge each other and we can do it through conversations we've seen why the 11th hour is an appropriate title because it's about the core values of the kingdom of Jesus and we've talked a little bit about how that might play out through Boaz and stories we've seen. And what I'm excited about is exploring how this impacts other areas, other topics that are related to work and faith. Topics like technology. That's a very good one. I can't wait to hear that one. 
And I mean, you can go into other areas too. Like, what does it mean to be a Christian leader at work? Does it look different mm. to common um, conceptions and teachings on leadership? And we can go into areas of, of prayer. How does our prayer life change because we now understand what God wants in the sphere of work? And I would say that does because um, you might be thinking of the Lord's teaching on prayer and he says, let's pray that your kingdom comes in yeah. praying to the Father. So we're already seeing that the intent of prayer, and I know this is your um, this is your baby, Cheryl, being prayer lead. Um, so I'm probably stealing your thunder there. Not at all. Carry on. It's exciting to see you excited about it. <laughs> yeah. So I just love that. That's almost one of the first things that Jesus says you should pray on. Yeah. Firstly, After praising his name. That's right. Firstly, recognize who you're talking to. Yeah. Um, that dependence. And then secondly, understand that um, praying in his kingdom and working in his kingdom is one of the key things we're to do. Hmm. So thanks so much for joining today, Cheryl. No worries. I can't wait to see what's ahead with the 11th hour. Thanks, Cheryl. Thanks. You've been exploring how faith and work overlap on the 11th hour podcast. Check out our website, engageworkfaith.org.au, to find resources on the topics we cover and keep up to date with our latest events. Thanks for joining us on this episode.